Another attempted attack on the U.S. Capitol took place this week. Voting rights remain under assault across the country. And we'll round up the episode with our weekly discussion of pervert politicians. So please stay tuned. Welcome back to Pop Into Politics, episode 13. If you like what you've been hearing, please subscribe on your favorite platform. I do appreciate that people listen and rate me. But before we get started, of course, we need to get into a little housekeeping because things are still not quite right here in the United States. America, girl, you know your house ain't been right. Now get it together. Before we get into the main meat of this episode, which is going to be voting rights, I know we discussed Georgia last week, but some things bear repeating or continuing to remain focused on. But the attack on the Capitol. So we had another person, kind of a lone wolf character, if you will, trying to drive through the Capitol and being stopped by the barricades and losing his life and an officer losing theirs. I think that the coverage of this particular attack or attempted attack has been really interesting, especially in right-wing media. So this gentleman who, based on what's on his Facebook page, has espoused all sorts of conspiracy theories about the United States government, the FBI, the CIA, he's being poisoned, he's been made sick, He's a follower of Louis Farrakhan in the Nation of Islam, and he is a black man, or a person of color at least. And so if you look at all the Fox News headlines, and again, on the right, that's what they're leading with with this this person who clearly was deranged. And I would also count this as something that is domestic terrorism, kind of regardless of the motivations of this particular person. What I think is interesting is that we're not so far removed from the January 6th attack, which was a big sort of obvious domestic terror attack in plain view. And so the Capitol, obviously, as a symbol of our democracy, a symbol of this country, remains under threat. It seems as though it is clearly under heightened threat activity. And what the FBI has said is the main driver and the real concern that we need to worry about is white domestic terrorism and belief in white supremacy, and that these types of attacks and things are going to increase. Probably not from a lone wolf kind of character who clearly is mentally ill. But I think it'll be interesting to see how this gets spun now that this one particular individual did this act. But it's also interesting that there's a basically a committee, a commission that Speaker Pelosi had set up to figure out ways, how can we have the United States Capitol, which is our symbol of democracy, be protected, but obviously be open to the public. And so there is money that, of course, is involved in securing the Capitol. And you have some Republican lawmakers already bemoaning that, that it's not really a plan. This is just money being thrown after, you know, good after bad. And you would think that politicians from both sides of the aisle, it would be of interest to them (laughs) to ensure that the United States Capitol, the so-called world's greatest deliberative body, is protected. So it'll be interesting to see what occurs. It'll be interesting to see whether this loan attack by this one individual 
will get swept up in this kind of way to say, see, look, what happened on January the 6th, it could be anybody. And it's in all of those lovely, lovely Americans who attacked the Capitol on January the 6th. They weren't that bad. That wasn't so unusual. So we need to keep our eye on this one and continue to focus on that. But obviously the threat, the threat to the Capitol and for people, whether they have certain sympathies or they are demented. The fact that January the 6th happened probably was not helpful in dissuading those people from further activity. So that's all I have to say about that. And of course, the officer that lost her life, again, defending the Capitol to his family and loved ones. I hate that saying thoughts and prayers. I really do. I always just think that doesn't really do anything for folks. But I guess, yes, our thoughts and prayers are with that person's family. So on to the meat of the episode. On to the meat of the episode. So voting rights, voting rights. We talked a lot about Georgia. Georgia even got its own episode. Georgia. Oh, Georgia. Any excuse for me to sing something about Georgia? But we don't want people to think that Georgia is the only place that this is happening. It's pretty much happening in, or there are attempts for this to happen pretty much in every state across the union to varying degrees with, oh, let me just stop. My drink of the day, my drink of the day is, can anyone guess? It is water. (laughs) I'm drinking water today because yesterday I may have had a little too much, a little too much booze yesterday. So today we're going to have a little water during this episode, which is not nearly as fun as having a cocktail, which I'd prefer to have. Okay. Hopefully you at home, you can have a beer, a spritzer, some Prosecco, something, something for me on my behalf as I drink water. I think it's important that everyone know what the Republicans are, like what has happened what's happening, and to remain focused on that because there's going to be different narratives and people have selective facts, alternative facts, as Kellyanne Conway would say. In November of 2020, Democrats won elections. Not lots of elections, actually. They won the presidential election. They won some Senate seats. They lost a number of House seats that people thought they'd pick up. They barely took back the Senate, but mainly Donald Trump lost a presidential election. He lost a presidential election basically to the same margin that Hillary Clinton lost the presidential election to him in 2016. The only difference being that because we were in a pandemic, that he did not manage well, which also I wasn't planning on mentioning that, but having Deborah Burks come out and say that the first 100,000 deaths that the country experienced probably would have happened, that our ability to mobilize, our ability maybe to understand a virus, to be equipped enough to address that, that those lives probably would have been lost. But kind of saying everything else after that was just kind of poor planning and bad policy and bad decisions that would, in a normal political climate, in a country that has a normal political sort of body politic, if you will, I mean, that should be front page news. Everyone should be outraged by that, Republican or Democrat. But again, that's not where America is. Even though the former president is not in office, we still are not kind of in a good way where we just look at things, things that would seem basic, basic things that people would be upset about, outraged about, wanted to see changed. We're not there. But back to just kind of voting rights and like, look, why is this happening, right? And making sure that everyone understands what the quote unquote problem was. The problem is, is that Joe Biden won the election. And that state legislatures, Republican and Democratic, certified those results, as we have done in our system for decades. People voted by mail more 
than obviously I guess they normally would have if there was not a pandemic. And Republicans lost the White House and lost control of the Senate by a seat. Nothing terribly, nothing crazy or outrageous here. For those people who have forgotten, our country typically, normally, yes, when you're an incumbent, you have the weight of the presidency behind you. And so you don't tend to lose. But however, George H.W. Bush, Jimmy Carter, Gerald Ford, in recent, relatively recent American history have all been part of that club and managed the governments of the country much better than Donald Trump did. Let's just say that. Oh, and of course, we brought all these lawsuits and things at the state level to the Supreme Court. And the vast majority of these cases were thrown out. I think there was one case in Pennsylvania that was like, yeah, okay, if you want to have the poll watchers, instead of being like 12 feet away, they can be six feet away or whatever nonsense that was about, I think was a case that was won. But I just think it's important for everyone to know, like, what's the, the playing field? What's the ground that we're on? Like, what's the issue? And the issue is they lost an election and they don't like to lose elections. So with that being said, we know what Georgia has done, but it's important to know what other states are doing. So Texas, Texas has a whorehouse in it. I'm sure Texas does have at least one real whorehouse in it. Texas, of course, wants to limit early voting hours. They don't want to have any sort of drive through voting. They don't want Harris County specifically. And Harris County, everyone, of course, is Houston. And so we do not want Harris County to be able to have any drive through voting booths, which they set up during the pandemic. So voting hours will be limited across the state, seven to seven, right? As an example of that, though, and why that's a problem. So if you're in Harris County, which is home to Houston, and I think at least four or five million people, Houston gets the same voting hours as Loving County, which apparently in Texas has less than a thousand people. So again, just doing math, If you are a voter in Houston and you have that amount of people attempting to potentially vote, and we don't know what they're going to do with polling places, if they're going to be closing those down, are you going to be standing in long lines in your urban centers, which are primarily lean Democratic, if not are Democratic, and of course have voters of color? They're calling this standardizing voting hours. That doesn't sound threatening. That doesn't sound problematic when you call it that. Generally, fewer voting early days fewer voting hours. That's across the country. As someone said in a news uh, article, what this basically means for America is that we're going to have quote unquote spotty democracy. I love that spotty democracy. So if you're in, I don't know, New York City, where we seem to want people to vote, generally speaking, maybe we'll open up additional polling places. Maybe we'll go ahead and extend hours for people to vote. Hey, that's like de-democratic. You go to Texas, if you're in Harris County, you're in a spotty democratic place, which is a problem for the United States broadly as a republic. You can't have a spotty democratic system. You're either a democracy or you're not. You either believe in the right to vote or you don't. You either believe in expanding the right to vote or you don't, and making it easier for people to vote or you don't. If you're a political party, you either want people to vote based on their belief in the issues, right? And if Republicans win, great. You get another election. There will be another Republican president. Hopefully not soon, uh, but there will be another Republican president. Sometimes you win some, you lose some. Like when you take like American government 101, democracy 101, when the United States goes around the world and tries to teach other countries that are 
trying to become democratic. I mean, these are things that they talk about. How are you counting ballots, making sure ballots are secure, having a whole system in place for that, which the United States has had for a very, very long time. So that's some stuff in Texas. The other thing, too, that I think is interesting, it's an article, the states that are leading the country with the most restrictive either laws that they're trying to get passed or have already passed, of course, are Texas, Georgia, oh, Georgia, and Arizona. So I'm going to just pretend like I'm dumb here, but Texas is turning purple. And there are people that, who believe, who look at this stuff, if Texans continue to swing, especially younger Texans, Texans of color, suburban, and so this is just not about people of color, that Texas in 2024, 2028, could actually be a, a state that goes blue. And so that's a problem if you're the Republicans in Texas, if you just let people vote based on their values and, and the issues. And in electoral politics, of course, if Democrats were to have California, which is reliably blue uh, in the Electoral College, at least it has been recently, that could change, but it has been at least since the late 90s, I believe, and you get Texas, it's pretty much a wrap for Republicans in a national presidential election, right? So that's probably what's going on in Texas. Georgia, of course, has seen that like not only hey, well, our voters now, Georgia has changed a bit in its metro areas and suburban areas. Clearly, it's purplish, blue-ish, not by a lot. wasn't like this big sweep that Joe Biden and Senator Ossoff and Senator Warnock won that state. But clearly, in a presidential election and a special election, it went blue. And so that's problematic electorally, because that used to be a state in your column. And then Arizona, the good old state, John McCain's home state, going blue. Not that it's never gone blue. I think the last time it went blue was for Bill Clinton in one year. But their tent is dwindling. And so instead of coming up with policies, like, I don't know when the American people need help actually giving them some stimulus. Instead of, oh, we've got a pandemic telling the American people, having a president that would tell the American people the truth and say, look, this isn't political. We just need you to wear a goddamn mask, right? <sighs> Young women don't seem to be so interested in like this feverish drive to restrict abortion rights and reproductive rights. They're really into that still. They're doing that too across all of these Republican-led legislatures, which I'm not getting into that this particular episode, but like that is also a thing that's happening right now in many, 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 many states. It's like when the American people find out what the Republicans are trying to do, they don't like it. So they then don't vote for them. And so we have to do these sorts of shenanigans. Arizona is trying to kick off infrequent voters from the rolls. That has not necessarily been passed there, but yeah, they're trying to like, hey, if you missed an election, that means you you don't want to vote. So we're going to just get you off, kick you off the roll, at which point you would need to register again to vote. And again, just someone shows up to vote for one election, their name's not there. Uh-oh, guess you can't, don't get to vote this election. Oh, you didn't know that you needed to register? Oh, you don't know? You didn't know we kicked you off? Really? Iowa. Iowa has passed these things. So Iowa has gone from three three years ago having 40 days of early voting. Then they made it to 29 days in this most recent cycle that just passed. Now it's down to 20 days in their bill. All mail-in ballots need to be received by election day, which I think that rather than counting votes postmarked by election day, I will be honest, I mean, there will be people whose ballot will get in late. 
And you could argue as a country, do we want that person's ballot to be counted and have their voice heard? Or is it more important that we, we punish them because their ballot wasn't there? We don't want that vote to be counted. Don't really understand that. Although, I do think if you're messaging and marketing, if you were like the Democratic Iowa Party or just hell, an Iowa civic-based group, you could try to get the word out to make sure that people know you've got to get your ballot in basically by election day. And if you're going to mail it, then maybe you want to drop that ballot off at a location at a precinct. You might not want to wait. Voting sites in Iowa will close at eight instead of nine. And in Iowa, it is the law. Voters will be removed from active voting lists if they miss a single general election, which Americans are not known for their voting. We already have low voting turnout rates as far as other democratic countries. But if you miss a vote, miss an election, sorry, you're off. And if you don't report a change in your address or re-register again, sorry, Iowa, sorry, Iowans, you lose that right to vote. So just wanted to discuss that this is what they are planning to do in preparation for 2022, which midterms Democrats notoriously don't come out for midterms. People are still pissed that Mitch McConnell was in leadership. That happened because in the 2014 midterms, I guess Democrats... People who don't agree with Republican stuff didn't think that Democrats did enough. So they sat their asses at home. That should be a lesson to all of us. We need to come out in these midterms. And again, historically, Democrats are in power. Historically, the party in power traditionally loses seats. I would like to think that Americans would say, well, look, the Biden administration has tried to move on this vaccine policy. They've tried to get some stimulus in our pockets. They've put other things in this stimulus bill in terms of child benefits. They have done things and are continuing to try to fix and rectify things that they have inherited from the Trump administration, but long-term problems that have been festering in America for years, and that it is worth coming out in your midterm election. But stress that to people who the plan is to restrict voting. So again, it'll be harder for people to vote in midterm elections, and it'll be definitely harder to vote in the next presidential election. Now, what are Democrats going to do about this? Because I see a lot in the news, and here we go again. This is where it's like, I don't like Republican politics, but I feel like they've got balls. They do shit in the daylight that everyone knows is bullshit. Everyone knows is bullshit. There was no fraud. There was no massive election fraud that gave the election to Joe Biden and not Donald Trump when he like deserved it or earned it. And yet they're out there putting policy in place based on lies. I mean, the Iowa governor basically was like, nothing really happened, but we just want to make sure that we are ensuring election integrity. Huh? What? I guess that's like the person who's never been robbed, but needs a gun for protection or something. It's nonsense. It's nonsense, as Jack McFarlane used to say on Will and Grace. So everyone needs to be aware of that. But what are the Democrats going to do? There is a bill, H.R. 1, that the House of Representatives has passed and is sitting in Chuck Schumer's Democratic Senate and could be awaiting... Democratic President Biden's signature. Now, we've been told that Joe Manchin, Kirsten Sinema, and they don't want to get rid of the filibuster, and they don't want to... I don't know what Chuck, VP Harris, Uncle Joe, I don't know who needs to be pulled into the cloakroom. I don't know what committee someone needs to be stripped of. I don't know what money needs to be in a bill to go to West Virginia or Arizona. This voting bill is important because all of the things that I just kind of mentioned these states are trying to do, 
this bill federally would make a lot of this illegal or would standardize voting hours or when you purge someone from the rolls or probably not purging people from rolls unless they're like dead would make it easy automatically registering people to vote. I don't know why we don't do that as a country. I don't understand why that's a thing that as a democracy, there are people who are opposed to basically saying, yeah, like Colby turns 18 and he's opted into the system. We want people to participate and we want to make that easy not restricting it. They need to get that bill passed so that this sort of shenanigans can stop once and for all. So I don't know what Democrats are not in favor of H.R. 1 in the Senate. The Democrats in the House, they passed it. Nancy sent it over. Again, your congressmen, your senators, this is a good time to write a letter, write an email. And again, not your Congress people because the House has really already passed it. So this is really your senators in your state. And even if you have Republican senators in your state or you're a Republican, like, Some of this stuff would hurt, you know, there's a lot of focus about people of color, and obviously it's targeting that. All of the former president's baseless election lies were basically that black counties, where black folks are, they can't count votes. That was basically (laughs) what was said. They can't count. That's what Donald Trump was saying in real time and dog whistles when he talked about Philadelphia and there's big bundles and in in Atlanta and Detroit. Black people are sick of your ass and young white people and suburban white folks are sick of your nonsense. And that is why you lost this election. And again, a lot of people weren't sick of what Donald Trump did. I think to many people's dismay, seeing that 74 million people voted for him or something crazy like that was very disheartening. Unfortunately for him, more people, and that's how these things work, voted for the other candidate. But what are Democrats going to do? When are Democrats going to pull out their dicks, slap it on the table and say, we're going big or we're going home? Because Republicans aren't playing. They're not playing. They're shameless with this stuff. The Georgia thing, and you can't pass out water to anybody in the line. Oh, right. But the line's nine hours because you keep closing precincts and places for people to vote. Democrats need to get it together. They need to get it together. We're in April. I've tried to be very kind of, there's a process and we got it. They need to get this fixed in some way before 2022. And if they don't pass this bill, it really will be on uh, the Democratic Party for not getting this done. And, and again, and folks like Joe Manchin, Kirsten Cinema, and whomever else wants to be the moderate Democrat, there's nothing wrong with that inherently. But like, this is a cornerstone of our democracy. Like, this is not one of these things of like, well, I think the minimum wage should be $15 or $13. Or if people can't vote, then you don't have a democracy. As that person said, you've kind of got this somewhat democracy or split democracy. It, yeah. I feel very strongly about this. All right, let's round up the episode with pervert politicians. Woo! Titties, ass. Um, Andrew Cuomo is still the governor here in New York. I think he's up to seven or eight folks. We just need Letitia James, attorney general here. Wrap it up, wrap it up, wrap up the report. We know it's true. The nursing home stuff is true. Writing a book about COVID when New York has lost 30,000, 35,000, I mean, people, Andrew Cuomo needs to go. I'm going to put a goddamn sign on my own door. As a Democrat, I'm saying Andrew Cuomo needs to go. Kirsten Gillibrand, I wrote that email to you, Senator Gillibrand. Yes, he needs to go. I'm glad that she decided to come on board with that. Let's end with Matt Gaines. <laughs> Ooh, let me take a sip of my water. I swear I'm just drinking water, people. Matt Gates. So Matt Gates is embroiled in a sex trafficking scandal of sorts that 
They took a 17-year-old underage girl across state lines, which is a crime, and has been going around, of course, saying that, like, he's being extorted, which he very well may be being extorted. You can be blackmailed, extorted when you've done something criminal. Like, those things, they could go together. They don't have to be separate facts, right? Like, you could have been involved and engaged in sex trafficking and sleeping with underage girls and showing other politicians pictures of girls topless and stuff and just being a pig and a nasty man. It's interesting to me that this, it's coming out now, but this case was opened up by Bill Barr's Justice Department. And as we all know here at Pop Into Politics and anyone who has any sense, Bill Barr's Justice Department was not really interested in justice for most of its time, most of his tenure. However, when the Bill Barr Justice Department is even like, oh, oh shit, we got some sex trafficking. This is, I mean, this is the same Bill Barr's Justice Department that bungled Jeffrey Epstein. Oh, someone went to lunch and he, what? He went to lunch and you let him kill himself? Really? That's what we're supposed oh. It's that Justice Department that is saying, hey, yeah, there was something to this. So again, I just tend to think, yes, people are innocent until proven guilty. I mean, he has not been proven guilty. He is behaving guilty. He's on Fox News with Tucker Carlson. Tucker Carlson looked like he had to shit his pants when Matt Gates tried to basically be like, hey, Tucker, like, you've gone through some of this stuff yourself, right, man? Right, bro? And Tucker Carlson's like, I don't know what you're talking about. <sighs> we are going to keep a segment, I've decided today, Pervert Politicians. To the editor of the podcast, remind me, Pervert Politicians. That's going to be a new segment, and we're going to get some music for Pervert Politicians. Maybe something like a sound of like a falling plate of hot dogs or slapping the table or something. I don't know, but that's a new section. We haven't added a new section to pop into politics, but that's it. Pervert Politicians. New segment. You guys heard it here first. And the reason why we're going to have a new segment called Pervert Politicians, because I and my political beliefs, I don't give a fuck if you're a Democrat or a Republican. I want Andrew Cuomo gone. I want Matt Gates gone. If you break the law, I think we have to get back to like basics in our politics that like, I'm a Democratic voter because I believe in a social safety net and people should have a right to health care. And I believe in climate change. I believe that, yes, those of us who have more resources and income should pay more taxes. I don't think corporations should have taxes. Like There are like policy positions and beliefs as to why I'm a Democratic voter and not a Republican voter. I am pro-choice, yada, 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 and down the line. That being said, I also want my politicians to have some level of integrity, some level of decency, morality, and they can't break the law, especially sex trafficking laws. If you're Matt Gates, if you are Andrew Cuomo, you cannot break the law by lying and not providing information to the New York state legislature related to COVID or the Department of Justice just because Trump was the president and you didn't like him as the president. That's not how it works. So I want to just to put that out there, that like we have to have expectations of our politicians regardless of their party. So in this week's episode of Perverted Politicians, honk, 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 I got to figure out something. Like, do I want to do like a, a bad French act? I don't know what I want to do. I got to come up with a noise for that. Look at the sound effects. Andrew Cuomo and Matt Gates need to go. We'll see who gets added to the list for next week because politicians unfortunately seem to think that they can do things even though they're famous, even though they're known, that like won't come out. So I think that that segment's going to keep getting longer. But until next time, Andrew Cuomo and Matt Gates, cross them out on your bingo card. We'll see who else gets at it. And stay safe. Pay attention to the voting rights issue. It's really, really important to our democracy. And I will be back next week with another episode. Thank you, everyone, for listening. 
I'll be back every Monday with new episodes. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe or follow me. You can find me on Apple, Spotify, Google, Alexa, wherever you prefer to find your podcasts. You can also follow my Instagram at pop into politics. Until next time, sending good vibes and well wishes to you all. Thanks for listening.